I got a little quick there. On a mountain in a valley, I behold only God. In hardship, I see him by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melted amidst the sparks of the flames. I behold only God. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara. And this is Bob. Good morning. How are you this morning? Thank you for listening into our show whenever you will. The topic today is being you through thick and thin. And now taking that personally, I'm okay. How are you, Bob? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. It's been a rainy week here, here, which is nice because we need rain. Uh, Happy first day of summer to you. Happy first day of summer to you also and to our listeners. I uh, am, yesterday it was 107 here. I was not here for, yes, I was not here for Thursday and Friday. And my understanding is it was pretty hot those days too. Uh, I was down in Los Angeles, and I came in yesterday afternoon about 3 o'clock, and oh, my goodness, was it hot. <laughs> you know? And it's it's building up today, right now, already as we're speaking. So rain and heat. I'm wondering how we can get some of your water when you fill up. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting close to fill, full, so that, that's a good thing. We'll, we'll need to send you some. Yes, please. Yeah. Let's have those those clouds uh, release the uh, uh, rain earlier here in the West before they get to Texas and to Minnesota and to other places that are drenched and see if maybe we can uh, heal the parched earth here on the West Coast. Uh, Even those places that are traditionally considered rainy and still do have rain are considering themselves to be in a drought like Seattle and, and northern, uh, the northwest. So, Bob, would you take us into a prayer, or excuse me, a meditation today, either one, it's all the same, our friends. Uh, and once again, the topic today is being you through thick and thin. The uh, call-in number, if you'd like to participate or even listen online without participating, is 646 and with that, Bob, I'm going to uh, turn it over to you for a while. Thank you. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there today. And as we meditate, you can you certainly think about your dad or those who have been like a dad to you through through your life. And we'll start this morning by that everyone just get comfortable. I, I find that, you know, I don't have to be in a certain position to meditate. I can sit in a chair, I can lay on the floor, I can, the people tell you never lay in bed and meditate because you'll go to sleep, but I don't see any harm, no harm, no foul in that. So however it is that you're comfortable releasing all of the thoughts from your mind and allowing yourself to live in this present moment, that's how I want you to feel. So if that's sitting with your legs crossed, sitting, laying down, however that is, just get comfortable and take some Deep breaths in, and we'll exhale, and just slowly just start to listen to our inner self and hear our the chatter in our mind leave as we 
think of just the present moment and being here. And as we exhale, as we exhale, let's exhale compassion. And as we inhale our breath today, let's think of patience. As we inhale, we're inhaling patience and we're exhaling compassion. So let's just sit quietly. Let's inhale and inhale deep from the feel the air come all the way up from your feet, up through over your calves, over your thighs, into your gut, into your heart, and into the top of your head, and then release that same air and release all of the stale air and oxygen from your lungs and release all of the compression. So inhaling and inhaling with patience, 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 exhaling, compassion, 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 exhaling all of that stale air from your lungs, taking all anything that pulls up negative energy within your body and pushing it out pushing it out of your body, feel it just leading through your breath, and inhale positive energy of patience, 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 and fill your lungs, fill your lungs as far as you can, almost until you feel your gasping for, gasping for air, even though your lungs are filled with air, just fill them all the way up, and exhale, Compassion, 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 compassion. Feel the energy moving through your body as you breathe. I like to feel the energy come up and down my back and feel it as the air exhales as it goes back down through my body and feeling letting all the anger, resentment, fear letting all of those negative things just release from my body. And as I inhale, inhaling peace and calm, serenity, pulling through my back and feeling it coming into my body and into my heart and letting it come into my brain, all of the positive thoughts that we can think of, whether that bird eating from the bird feeder or eating, looking at a candle. Things that bring you peace. Think of those as you inhale the air into your lungs. So let's take one more big breath in. And we're breathing in patient, patient, patient. And one last big exhale with exhale compassion, compassion. Compassion. And let's sit for a moment and listen to the music and just take a few deep breaths in and out and bring ourselves back to center and relax.
Okay. Everyone's back to back to normal breathing, if there is such a thing. Sometimes I think we we can kind of have meditative breathing a lot more if we just think about breathing during the day a few times. It kind of makes you uh gasp for that air and, and, and let it out slowly. So I think, you know, we can try to do that every hour, you know, as you as you're working through the day, try to every hour think of the present moment and breathing in and taking just a deep breath and a deep breath out and inhaling what it is you need that day, whether that's I need compassion today, I need positive energy today, I need whatever it is, I need to be grateful, I need to um, anything, breathe it in and, and breathe out anything that that needs to be breathed out as well. So sometimes those can work in harmony to help you out throughout your day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that um, many times uh, there may be days when you have so much peace that you can actually be in a peaceful, meditative state all day long as you go about your business if you remember to breathe. Breathing is just so crucial to that. And I I find it interesting that those times when I am the the most tense inside is generally reflective of those times that I am breathing the least. Yes. So, many times you and I will even text each other and say we have that feeling that we need that one or the other needs to breathe and sometimes they'll just look at a yes. text and it'll be and you're saying, Breathe <laughs> Yes, and, 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 and somehow you know I, that I've all day been. Some days we do feel like we've just held our breath all day, right? Or like those days we yes. feel like we've ironed and not turned the iron on. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And so you know you have both kinds of days. This has been such an interesting week, Bob, because we had such an example of unloving behavior. In um, is it Charleston? Is that North Carolina or South Carolina? Carolina is confused, but I know it's Charleston. And um, I am, <clears throat> as I was sitting here and we were meditating, I had just kind of uh, a thought that I wanted to share, and and maybe it has to do with being with you through thick and thin, which is kind of where we were headed a moment ago, but I want to digress for a moment to talk about the tragedy that occurred when another human being went in and massacred some people and then wanted recognition of that. So he left one person alive. And one of the things that I thought of as we were breathing together is that I think many times we forget that those who do horrendous things actually are providing us an opportunity to grow in love. Uh, And they are our teacher, and in that moment, we are their student. When you say that aloud, I can imagine some people think that I'm saying they're teaching us to act in this horrific manner, but not so. They're reminding us who we are that we are part of a divine being and that we 
should look around us and maybe in the words of, uh, I think it was Rogers and Hammerstein in the South Pacific, it takes a long time to teach someone to hate. It takes a long time to teach someone to hate. And so we, uh, as we're talking about being me through thick and thin, that goes to my remembering to breathe when I'm in the thin. And I think it also goes to my remembering to see more in another person than they are showing me so that maybe by acts of kindness, or as Martin Luther King said, by love, we can turn about or turn around behavior that's that's brewing in someone. Maybe it's years down the road. And we are not in their lives by accident. And so um, I just wanted to throw that out because it came to me. It's not exactly on topic, but it certainly was a concerning event this week when for you and I, and I would hate for us to not talk about such an unloving event when our show is about love. Uh, I I was thinking about that event before we started the show, and, you know, when things, when these, these, in my mind, acts of terrorism uh, occur across the, anywhere, it it often makes us start to, to, to not breathe and not to, and to, to live in the wind and wonder, you know, is it, you know, I'm, I'm I'm doing my best to live in the present moment and and espouse love. Maybe not when people cut me off in the car, but you know, most of the yeah. time, <laughs> then we, you know, we hear of these events and and or we are well, party to these events and in, in in some or some folks that, you know, it really makes you doubt humanity and and mankind and. I think you're you're absolutely right. We that it's a time for us to all take a step back and and get into the present moment and remember that in the end, the only way that we're all going to get along is with with love and understanding and kindness. Yes. And, yes. And, and, and accepting people for for their differences. There's, I think that goes yeah. really really to that one of the quotes that you've got. That you put up on the on the board today, which is at by Nietzsche, that uh, at every man at bottom, every man knows well enough that he is a unique being, only once on this earth, and by no extraordinary chance will such a marvelously picturesque piece of diversity and unity as he is ever be put back, ever be put together a second time. And yeah. we are all unique. There's there's not a single other one of us. Even in twins and triplets, there's there are some differences. So yes, yes, we are. And um, I did for those of you who are watching, you're getting a slideshow right now. I actually uh, uploaded uh, some of the pictures from my book, Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired You. I wrote it back in 1997, and it's quite a story. This is not a push for you to buy it. You can send me an email here at Blog Talk Radio and say uniquely me with your email address. I'll send you a copy. You know, it would be good for me if the book got out there because it is 26 simple passages that you could probably spend 
uh, 10 minutes reading the entire book and feel better about yourself. Or you could read one passage every day for 26 days or one for a week and, and grow in knowing that you are loved by God just as you are. And that is such a dynamic idea because that means that um, <clears throat> this young man in um, in North Carolina is is loved also. And there is a wonderful story. For those of you who have listened to this show from the past, you've heard this story. And it's written by Neil Donald Walsh. And I think it's called The Littlest Angel or The Youngest Angel or something like that. And I don't have the book myself. I have read it quickly. It's one of those quick reads. But the thumbnail sketch of that book is is immense. And I think it really gives meaning to loving others as you love yourself and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, which is what we're talking about right now. How would you want to be treated if you had lost your mind and harmed others in such a horrific, and I've used that word three or four times, manner, and have left such an image or vision about yourself. So I do apologize. I, I live where I seem to be congested most of the time. So what happened in this little story, one day a group of angels were assembled around God, and they were in heaven. I call that the other side, whatever you want. It's that place where really there's a unity between all of us. And everything is perfect. And these angels were old and wise and and just glistening with the life lessons that they had learned, which enabled them to be where they are and enabled them to not need to go back or come back and to Earth or any other planet. They had lived their lives. And this little angel comes up and, you know, he's barely knee-high compared to the age of these other angels who had lived and, of course, compared to the unity of all that is. And the little angel says, God, God, and he's pulling at God's robe, and he's a visionary, obviously. I want, I want to forgive. And God turned, and he looked at the little angel, and he says, little angel, there's nothing to forgive. Everything is perfect here. And the little angel says, but I want to forgive. And God said, I'm sorry, little angel. And little angel turned and walked away and his, his wings were trailing on the, on the ground and, and he was so sad because he was not going to have the experience of forgiving. And then one very old, old, wise angel stepped out of the assembled group, an angel that experienced everything there was to live or experience. And the angel said, little angel, I'll let you forgive me. 
the little angel turned and he, his wings went up and he flew up in the air. He was overjoyed with the excitement at the prospect that he was going to be able to forgive. Really, really, you'll let me forgive you? And the old angel said, yes, I ask one thing only. And the little angel says, anything, anything. And this is probably the hardest question and obligation one could take on. I ask that you remember who I am. Because there is no need to forgive kind acts. And that philosophy has somewhat driven my life, to be frank, is remembering who the other person is which is a part of all that is, a part of God, a child of God. Whatever your, your religion or your, your philosophical uh, inclinations are, this being is a part of all that is. And that young man is a part of all that is. And he has given us an opportunity, as reflected by one of the family members, to forgive but not forget there is a difference absolutely absolutely a difference and I think that's where we all have uh, where we all could use a little bit of remembering that that forgiving isn't forgetting I think that's very hard for some people it's very hard for a lot of people to forgive Um, we can never forget and I think that's sometimes where the, the hang the hang that comes up is there's no no way I could ever forget this. That doesn't mean that there's no way that I can forgive that. And especially looking at that that analogy or that story there is, you know, you you it, it kinda goes back to for for me it it, it kinda goes back to uh the four agreements that don't take anything personally. The person, what they're doing is of their own, of where they're at at that given time, and it, it's nothing personal to you. Um, certainly in this act, it was something maybe not even personal to the individuals that were horrifyingly taken away from us, but uh, more of... Uh, in, in, that, in that person, in that person, in that person's mind, it wasn't. It maybe wasn't personal, at, at a personal level, but was very horrific in that they were the the people that had that, that left us because of his act, and his act was just horrendous. It was, it was so horrendous, and I think that. As I see it, I think that's why the one that was able, was able to forgive and 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 yes. come out and say I forgive you because they realized that this was not a person. While it was an attack and it was in my mind a terrorist a terrorist activity that is based in hate and things that a lot of things that are espoused by other people and that, as you said earlier, it takes a a long time to learn to hate. There's lessons learned there for all of us to 
reexamine the way that where we let our children go, what we let our children listen to, what we allow uh, to come into our homes and into our lives and into the radio or under the TV, that all of these things influence uh, what's what's going on, not only in this incident, but all of these terrorist attacks that have been happening. That's exactly true. You know, I often have wondered what would happen. I can I can remember sitting in Georgetown, Texas on 9-11. And I often wondered, and, and by the way, I, I don't want to act like um, this was a, an idea that it found its germination in me. I read this in the New Yorker afterwards, but I wondered what would have happened if we as a nation that many people claim that we're a Christian nation. Uh, I think that we were founded on theism, a belief in one God. Uh, I don't know that we were founded on Christianity, and I'm not trying to offend anyone out there by saying that because I don't care how people find their way to God. I grew up a Methodist, and right now I'm probably everything because I believe so deeply with my heart, my mind, and soul that there is a God and that it is a loving God. But in any event, in the New Yorker, they said, what would have happened had we put those religious principles to and use them as a model for the world. And rather than turning to our arms, our weaponry, our soldiers, we had turned to God. Instead of, you know, getting ready to launch a counterattack, we instead went to our churches. Now, what people say is, that you have to, that that's that's a sign of weakness, and I don't know, and I'm not trying to get into a philosophic debate about this because I recognize that um, I recognize that you also have to quell and stop evil, and evil is among us. I'm not ignorant of that, so I don't want you to think that I'm giving you some sort of abstract la 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 idea. I mean, I am aware that you have to deal with evil, but what I do wonder is where would we be today? How many of our young men would still have legs? Our young women would still have health uh, who served in the military? And that's a personal subject for me because I have a child who's sick from having served and uh, I mean physically sick and on the edge of dying all the time. Uh, And I wonder where would we be had we spent more time in the pews instead of in the strategic war rooms? Good question. Very good question. And, you know, and I, and I think that you, could, you would definitely have people out there that would counter that some of these individuals that have been the perpetrator in these terrorist activities have actually been ones that have sat in pews and have, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where they've learned their hatred towards other people. Yes. So, yes. Or on the ground on prayer rugs, yes. yes. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's such a dynamic conversation. But I wonder if 
if we cannot reach a place, now I really am going out there on the on the la 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 land, okay? But I wonder <laughs> if we cannot reach. <laughs> if well, we cannot we, reach, we, we, we didn't get there. <laughs> yeah, it had to go. <laughs> if we cannot, <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. That's being you through thick and thin. <laughs> yes, through thick and thin, exactly. I am left wondering, seriously, if when are we going to stop acting like being loving and kind and caring is weak? You know, I mean, when are we going? We we end up actually making heroes and saints out of the Gandhis and the Martin Luther Kings after they die from violence, but when are we as a society going to change our thinking, our collective consciousness, our men, and realize it takes a lot of strength to be kind to people when you want to say, listen, buddy, I mean, just kind people are not necessarily people who do not have internal reactions to to the life circumstances around them. They react. They have feelings. They get angry. They get their feelings hurt. Um, you know, they they want to say, you know, bad words. I don't know what a bad word is. But you know what I mean. I mean, I know a word I use and I can't consider it bad. So, uh, you know, it's a word that, <laughs> you know, it releases everything from within you. That we've been taught is bad. <laughs> Yes, you know, exactly. Thanks. You know, whether it has a mal connotation or not is M-A-L, a bad connotation or not is whether, you know, the context that you take it in. And certainly people you may use the F word and, you know, for them it's the, it, it has no negative connotation to it, right? But yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Why do we feel that you're right, we, we make people martyrs, those that, that teach love or all can, you know, whether that be, you know, from any of the prophets to Martin Luther King, et cetera, not until after the past you start to think about, <laughs> about yeah. you know, what, what they actually said. And then it, it slowly just kind of dissipates and, well, let's get back to being, yes, yes. Being, defense, being full of fear and being defensive all the time. Yes, and hearing everything personalized. And, you know, I don't, my four agreements, Bob, I don't know if you have yours there with you. My four agreements are on my um, on my phone and on my iPad, and I can go pull it up if needed. But we mention that, that book all the time when we're talking, and yet I don't know if our readers know what we're, you know, they really know the four agreements, and they're so simple. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as my little granddaughter would have said, uh, if you, th- there are four agreements, and they are on the co- they are on the slip cover of the book. So you mm-hmm. open the book up, and, and they're right there. You don't even have to read the book. I mean, if you read the book, you learn that that it that it talks about the idea that that people make decisions based on their perceptions of the world. But do you happen to have yours handy, Bob? I do. The first Why one is, you, is please. Yeah, Don Miguel Ruiz is the is the author. Um, yeah, the four agreements are very 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 simple. You know, it's always those things that people are able to make and put into very simple things 
to tend to go towards, but they also, once you start to go towards them, you realize how, how deep and how profound they are and how hard it is to actually agree to uh, participate. But I think as you, as you try and you, and you remember each day as you go through different interactions that, yeah, you know, these are great little rules to follow is, first of all, be impeccable with your word. Second is don't take anything personally. Third is don't make assumptions. And fourth is always do your best. If we were all doing these four things all the time, it would be such a uh, such a more harmonious place to live, right? Because we would understand that we're not making assumptions about what someone else is saying because we're not taking it personally. And as long as we're doing our best, if you're doing your best, you're number four, you're doing number one because you're being impeccable with your word. So I think if we stop judging judging people and stop living in fear is what, you know, you could narrow those down to two things or add two additional things to that. And stop judging yourself. Or accept, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. We We all tend to think when we get fearful when we hear other people say things that we either don't agree with or that we think are um, don't go with along with what our what our thoughts are and and sometimes it could just be uh that someone's looking at something uh, from a different angle than you are, and that's okay i mean we we can't all see the same thing through the same eyes. Exactly, because we've all had different life experiences. And to me, that is one of the great things of that little book. And so I do, even though I said you can just read the cover, you know, the cover, the inside cover, I do encourage you to read it, and I don't think it's expensive. I I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, unfortunately, I can't give you that book. But I can say to you, that that particular book awoke in me the realization that because of the unique life experiences that each of us have had, each of us see a situation through different eyes. Now, you would think, because I read that book when I'd been an attorney for about 20 years, and I was out there saying No two people, you can have 20 people at an automobile accident and you have 20 different ways of seeing that accident. And I never connected that on a spiritual level. I'm embarrassed to admit until I read Don Miguel Reese's book. And at that point, I realized, he's a Toltec philosopher, I realized that each and every one of us is different. Each and every one of us is unique and special. I have even probably already written, I had, I'd written a book called Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired You, which is probably a story in itself. But the bottom line is every one of us is different. There are no two people, as Bob said earlier, alike. I have identical twin brothers. They aren't alike. Very different, and not just personality-wise, but, you know, just differences in in their their thinking and their approach. They have similarities. Uh, I'm not going to say that. And they do look exactly alike. 
which I think they hate. So I don't mention that. But the reality, and I recognize them because I'm their big sister and I've always been able to tell them apart. But other people can't, including at times their wives. So, I mean, it really is a, they are like um, clones of each other, frankly. But they are not when you get down to their personality and their their characteristics and uh, how they approach life. Now, so this you that we're encouraging you to stay true to through thick and thin is actually a a very, very, as Bob said earlier, again, a special being. You're not always going to be doing everything right. And maybe we're here on this Sunday morning uh, that both of our computers worked and we were able to get in that uh, to remind any of you who may be thinking that you would like to have notoriety in your life, that if you want notoriety, have that notoriety arise from acts of kindness and love. Bob, I sense you've got some thoughts to share there. Yeah, no, I've just, <laughs> that it makes a lot of sense to me, you know, the, we are, we are all unique. Sometimes I, sometimes I think we had different unique persons, and sometimes we we put on different masks of over that unique person that we are in different situations where we think that where we may think that we won't be respected for who we really are, where we might think that. We may not be taken seriously for who we are or, or whatever the case might be. And we, we we build up a mask and put a mask on that and then we go into a different situation and we have a different mask that we wear there and we're not always our true unique self. And that's where I think we in, in those all those masks are what? Fear, right? Because we're afraid that we won't be that we won't get that notoriety if notoriety is what you're looking for, um, or you won't get uh, the work that you're looking for, the job you're looking for, get into the school that you want to get into, whatever it is that you're trying to do. We all, if we if we put aside the fear, but if we, I think, trying to vocalize this is kind of coming into my head faster than it can come out, which is. Which is odd because that usually doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just there. <laughs> the um, as, as many times I think we we go into situations and it kind of goes in line with living in the moment and living in the moment. I think is you know kind of an over overused expression and the same as same sense that uh, just think about it and it'll happen type of thing yes. that is that okay if I just go sit here and live in the moment and sit in my chair and wait for something to happen and you know you've got to take some action to make things happen but there's there's a difference between taking action to make something happen and obsessing and being compulsive and, and obsessive about something and letting fear guide all of that uh, for example yeah. I haven't gone to a job interview in a long, long time, but, you know, you hear people going to job interviews and they, you know, where they're looking up questions online and they're 
trying to find, you know, what what are they going to possibly ask me? Um, yes. Is there, you know, if you sit there and you obsess about this, you're you're going to put on a different mask, and you're not going to be the same person that you interviewed. Who that the person that you interviewed isn't going to be the same person that that gets hired, right? So you know, that's how I can you know, right. business perspective is, you know, if someone comes in and they are their true unique self, answer honestly and put fear aside and and have a conversation, then you know, you apply this in all different areas other than just a job interview, right? I think you're gonna be a happier person. You're and you're not gonna to have to have those masks. You're not gonna have fear, the masks get put aside. You're exactly I right. And I, I kind of alluded to this to you in a text message one time. You asked me, you kind of, as usual, you sense when I need a, when I need, need an extra little uh, push on something, and or that I'm feeling down or whatever. But you had texted me, and I said, and I wrote back, and I go, yeah, someone had suggested that I not be myself in a situation. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know. I I try to, I do my best to always be myself. Now sometimes I know that certain that times and places you have to act a little differently, right? You have to be act a little more, use all of your maturity instead of eighty percent of it. Okay, but in one case, there someone made knew that I was going to be in another situation with some of their colleagues, and they. Told me how I should told me how I should not act or things that I shouldn't say. And oh, you know, and now this person is no longer at this organization, and it's made me act some a way that I would not have in the past, and I was not my unique self. And now, in every time that I have a conversation with this with the, this group of people, I have to remember that I wasn't, I, I didn't lie. I lied by omission, maybe. Mm-hmm. And some things that, you know, don't matter whether you omit or not. Yes, but, I understand. But I have to, um, now, since I put that mask on, I have to remember to put it on every time. So yes, that beca- to it, becomes to more, it becomes more work. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you know, my mom used to say, and, and I recognize it wasn't a lie, but even a misrepresentation is a form of, by omission, is a form of lying if if you normally would be fully open. And and my mom used to say, if you tell a lie, you have to remember what you said. And that is just so absolutely true. It really is. And, you know, Bob, if I may share a story that I heard from my my youngest granddaughter. She is 14 years old. Um, That probably tells our listeners I'm a little bit of an older woman, an old woman maybe. My granddaughter calls me elderly, so which makes me smile, so I want you to know that. I tease her about that. But we're traveling up to their mountain you know, to their mountain place, and she's telling me, and she and I are alone, and she's telling me that she has a lot less tension in her life now that she is learning to just relax and be herself. 
And as her example, she used her job interview. Now, her mom later told me about the job interview, but but my granddaughter's description of the job interview is what will forever be with me because it was her job interview. So there are like 50 kids maybe uh, who are selected in the whole state uh, where she lives to uh, do public service in the summer for one month, and they are paid minimum wage to do that. And there were hundreds of applications. And she got invited for an interview. But she's a little kid, so she thought she was getting invited to learn about her new job. So she doesn't prepare because she doesn't know there is anything anything to prepare for. So they go in, and now they start talking to her and asking her questions. And one of the quests, and she says, Momo, I just relaxed. And I just talked to them. I just relaxed. It may have helped that I was in my school uniform, but I just relaxed. And I said, that's wonderful. And and she says, um, and then they asked her, what would she say? And they, what these kids do is they pick up trash in uh, what people might call skid row areas. And, Guy, if we get a chance, I want to talk about that, too, but I don't think we're going to. I see the time is ticking today. And the next thing I know, and she says, and she said, so they said to her, what would you say if people talked to you? And she said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi. She got the job, needless to say. And... um but but the deal is is that she didn't take any well, That's where you start. <laughs> that's where you start when someone starts to talk to you, say hi, and you take it from there, right? <laughs> exactly, and exactly. And of course, her mother is like biting her nails at the thought that someone might say something to her precious innocent child. But she said hi, and you know what, Bob? I've always believed my whole life that I am no better than anyone else and I am no less than anyone else. I have no idea where that belief came from, but I believe in treating people respectfully. And and if somebody talks to me, I try to talk back. Now, in terms of faces, uh, I'm I'm very introverted. And so if I spend, I almost need twice as much time alone as I when compared to time that I spent being more gregarious because that's that's my mask, which is amazing. We do, we do this radio show, huh? But for some reason, this works. I don't. Even, I talk more on the phone now than I do any other time doing just doing the show. But I know about the masks that you're talking about, and and I felt that in in selecting the passages today uh for the description of our episode i selected really old guys because i wanted mm-hmm. people to yeah i wanted them to see these issues about being to thine own self be true as shakespeare said have been around for a long time and i loved uh the one from confucius remember no matter where you elderly i'm sorry and he's post elderly Yes, he is. My gosh. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. He is. He's older than me even. And remember no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, you can never so, see I, yourself. 
you're always there, yeah. all your masks on, all your masks off. You're still there. Exactly. Exactly. And and my um and if and I love what uh Johann von Goth said. I hope I said that right. If God had wanted me otherwise, he would have created me otherwise. So God creates people who are different than everyone else because he wants to help us all grow in the light. You you know, those are life lessons, growing in the light. And so with that, I have to tell you also that my youngest grandson, who is a young adult, is in Japan. And this may not come as a surprise to you, um, it's what it when I heard this, it made my heart just swell with excitement because I can remember when his mom was in Iraq and and he came in and he said, "Momo, when did we become buddhist and And I'm thinking, "Oh God, I think his mom will kill me on that and so uh, <laughs> but here's the story he said um that he spent the night in a Buddhist monastery in Japan. And it was the best night of his life. Everyone has to be true to who they are. And, um, you know, so I was just so excited for him because Buddhism is not a religion, for those of you who think it is. You probably do because the monks wear the robes and the whole deal. But what it is, is it's a philosophy of life. Of And now we're going back to where Bob was in the very beginning of being in the now. It's about recognizing it is so much easier if you don't allow your now to be clogged up with things that have happened in the past, whether they happened to you from someone else or you did them, if you can forgive the lack of perfection in your fellow man and in yourself, then when you are in the now, you can embrace that time. And be aware that this is all you have. This time Bob and I have had today, during those minutes, that's all we had. And we're not going to go back in and change our show. You get it like it is. But being in the now, that is what Buddhism is about. And so it works very well with having grown up as a Methodist because a Methodism is about uh, also being in the now and being your best person in the now. And a lot of people, so that was my underlying training as I grew up, that everything John Wesley kept track of what he did every minute because by writing down methodically what he did every minute, he then focused on what? The minute that he was in. (laughs) Yes, the moment. So, Bob, I'm I'm going to turn it back to you. Thank you for letting me ramble about my family. No, no, there's there's great wisdom there. You know, the the job interview, I think that's a great question to ask someone who's going into a position that's working with with people all together. It doesn't matter whether they're homeless or whether they're the CEO of a corporation that you're going to talk to. 
about helping them in whatever way your business can help them. That's that's a great interview question. That's what if they, what if someone talks to you? You know, what are you going to say back? That, that's yes. a great question because because you know I you know working with a lot of nonprofits like I do, I see people of you know if I'm working at their offices, I'm seeing their the, the community that they're serving, and that may be homeless folks. That may be people that are. On drugs, it could be unwed mothers. It could be any anything that you can think of, right? So, you know, to ask, and and I see people that get very nervous when they're around someone that's not like them. Someone that's yes. around someone that you you grow. I can remember this just flashed back to me when I as I said this is, I remember growing up. I never saw a black person until I went to kindergarten, and the girl next to me happened to be a, a black girl. And I didn't think anything of it until later on somebody told me that she was a black girl. <laughs> and yes. and that you know then they told me that we went to we went to Christ to Catholic school because otherwise we would be mixed with a lot of black people. So, you know, we were you know, that teaching you to hate started around that time. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. when you when you start noticing differences but it makes you uncomfortable when people negatively talk about the homeless or those that need that you know the the mental health crisis that their country has. When we see someone who's uh, has mental health issue, I don't think people know how to how to talk to them, yeah. and it's fear because they don't know that you know they can have a conversation just the same as I can with someone who. Uh, looks the same as I do and lives in the same neighborhood as I do and goes to the same grocery store and the same Target. But, you know, if we're in line, we can still talk about, hey, hello, how are you doing, how's the weather, blah, 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 you know, the, the, that type of talk. But I think people really put on a mask and, and become afraid when it's something that's different than they are, whether it's looks, whether it's uh, their socioeconomic background, et cetera. Yes. And I think exactly. that's a very good question that we should all ask ourselves is what would we say to if they came if we came across them and they were poor, they were homeless or what have you. So yes. it's you know, being our unique self with people that aren't like us, that aren't like minded, that aren't uh of the same religion any yes. of those differences that are out there. Yeah, yeah, that's ex- you're exactly right. You know, um, I know normally, we, folks, we do a second meditation. Today we're not going to do that because we're just talking our way through all of this respect for who you are and also respect for the and fact that you are I'm sorry? And respecting everyone else. Exactly. Respecting other people and realizing that no matter who you were a moment ago, according to the Dalai Lama, that script is done. And now you can write a new script. You can be a totally different person if you choose to be. You do not have to accept the scripts of your life, your past lives. And part of what our goal, obviously, in life 
could be, it certainly is for me, is I my biggest desire, if, if it paid money, would be to go from place to place reminding people that God loves them just the way they are. They do not have to become someone different. But what they do need to do in order to have a peace in that knowledge is to believe it. And then when they believe that God loves them as they are, strive for their highest thought, their grandest word, their kindest deed. Because that is what God's about. Not about war. Not about rushing out to get a weapon. Not about harming other people, but about love. In my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. But there's so many things, there's so much out there that, that can take your mind away from, from you being yourself. That's, yes. I think, you know, and and the and, and we part of that is to blame the media, right? They're, they mm-hmm. we don't see feel good stories on TV. We don't see the whole side. We see one view of every of all stories. We don't. I mean, it's, and it's usually the two extreme sides. We don't see anything in the middle. We all seem to want to. Choose a side, and not and not necessarily be open-minded enough to to allow. I don't think we critically think enough anymore either. We let people do right. that thinking. We let people do that thinking for us and tell us. And that, yeah. whether that be yeah. from the pulpit or from the TV screen, we allow too many people to tell us what we're supposed to think, and and we really need to take that time and I think with meditation helps in that area for me is okay let me go let me meditate on this and sometimes it's you know you know let me noodle this or let me roll that around in my head which for me is let me go just completely clear my mind um sit back meditate about it a little bit and critically think think about it Think about it from not only my perspective, but other people's perspective. Respect other people's opinions, and but don't always take all of your information from one or uh, very few sources. Always, you know, try to critically think as well, because that's part of. I agree. I agree. And if I may add, we have like 58 seconds left, and so I'm just going to say this quickly. And remember, you are not in the room alone ever. You are in the room all one with God. So you are never alone. And if we could think about our actions based on the name that God gave us uh, when uh, he He sent uh, Joseph back and he said, I am the great I am. So if we could use that word, that would define our action. Bob, namaste until next week. Uh, I love you, and I love you, our listeners. I love you, too. Namaste, and happy Father's Day to everyone, and happy summer solstice. Yes, thank you. 
Peace be with you all until next time. I said next week that's our goal, but we never know how the computers will work and, and whether we'll be up to it. But peace be with you. I'm going to.